You think I should? Well, maybe I got it. I got it. I already. I got notes. I'm going to wing it from the notes. Is that all right? Can we pray? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Worthy is your name. Father, we love you. We welcome you. We believe that you're present here because you promised you would be. And uh, we trust you, uh, Lord, that you're faithful, that you always, you always show up at church. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Enough said. There we go. That's that's sermon number one, winged. <laughs> All right. Um, God put this on my heart. The message series that we're going to be teaching on um, through March uh, is uh, something God put on my heart last fall. And it doesn't always happen this way, but from time to time, God will give me, like, okay, this is what I want you to preach for the next several months. And for the month of March, uh, well, for the month of February, what Seth and Sarah preached was the whole healing and restoration, uh, which was excellent. I thought they did a great job and uh, very good. They're going to be offering a life group to kind of follow up on it. So if, 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 that, if you got stuff from that, those teachings, you want to go to their life group because uh, they're just going to go in greater depth in all of those things. But for March, we wanted to go from there. And the idea of seed time and harvest was what God put on my heart. And um, there's a verse in Genesis, chapter 8, verse 20. Uh, a very important verse in Scripture, one of the key uh, uh, covenants of God with mankind. Uh, although uh, um, a lot of people don't realize the significance of it. So we're, we're just going to read this and I'm going to kind of give you... Uh, Really, an introduction this morning. It's really important that you understand that this series, probably more so than most of my series, really, in order to get it, you got to get it every installment. All right. So, like, if you're not going to be able to make it every Sunday this week, you can just go. It's all right. Grab a donut. Okay. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Lighten up a bit. Okay. (laughs) <laughs> but uh, <laughs> is that all right? Come, I got it. All right. All right. Okay. So, <clears throat> but it's very important that, because I'm just going to introduce the idea today. Look at a few scriptures, and then over the course of the next few Sundays, we're going to kind of unpack this idea and how it applies. So it's not a standalone sermon. This is really a series. Uh, and I encourage you, if you can't make it to Sunday service, we, uh, we podcast, we upload the sermons. You can listen to them for free or download them and do the whole iPod thing. Uh, Genesis 8.20 <clears throat> says, Noah built an altar to the Lord and took of every clean animal and every clean bird and offered burnt offerings on the altar. Let me give you the context. Noah was famous for what? Building an ark. Very good. <clears throat> and there was what? A flood that destroyed everything on the planet. And so it was through the ark. God told Noah to build an ark. He was obedient and uh, gathered all the animals. And then the rain for 40 days and 40 nights. And then they were on the boat for a long time. I can't remember how long, but it was a long time until all the water receded. And finally, you know, they sent out the birds and everything like that. They got Finally, they got permission to leave the ark. <clears throat> and when they stepped out of the ark... 
It says that Noah built an altar. And in verse 21 it says, And the Lord smelled a soothing aroma. One translation puts it this way, And Jehovah, which is the name of God, Yahweh, another way to pronounce it, smelled the smell of satisfaction. The one thing is, just think of it. God actually has a sense of smell. Is that cool or what? You know? And He smelled satisfaction. And the Lord said in His heart, I will never again curse the ground for man's sake. Although, or even though, the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth, nor will I again destroy every living thing as I have done, while the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer, and day and night shall not cease. So, the important thing to understand is that the smell of satisfaction that God smelled, the experience, that pleasing aroma, was not the aroma of the death and destruction of the flood. Alright? God does not delight in the death of anyone. The Bible clearly says that. Alright? It was not in the destruction of the flood that God delighted in. That grieved His heart. If you read the story of the flood, it was He was torn in His heart at the wickedness of man. It grieved Him. <clears throat> and so, the flood came as a result of the wickedness of, the, of mankind, the human race. But even in the midst of the judgment that was wrought through the flood, God provided a way of salvation, which was through the family of Noah and then the ark. And He saved not only the human race, but the race of all the animals at that time. And, and, and after all that destruction and all the time on the, on the ark, and then finally the water recedes, and finally they're able to walk out on a, on a cleansed, a purged uh, land where uh, uh, seeds are beginning to sprout and there's new life coming back. And you can just imagine what it would be like being let out of the ark after spending months and months and months uh, uh, penned up with all those animals. <laughs> What'd they do with the manure, you know? I don't know. <laughs> Have you ever think about it? It probably wasn't like a cruise ship. It was a farm ship, yes. <laughs> All right, they're finally out. And the first thing that Noah does is build an altar and offer up a sacrifice of thanksgiving for God's salvation, for His love, for His mercy. Noah... Uh, 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 offered that up. And so, the smell of satisfaction was not just the, the burnt offering, the animal being offered, which was a picture, a foreshadowing of, of Christ being offered up on the cross, but it was in the smoke of the offering going up was the thanksgiving and the worship in the heart of Noah and his family to God for saving them. Through the midst, of judgment and through the midst of destruction. <clears throat> and then, as a response to that worship, heart of worship, and the response to that heart of thanksgiving, God makes a covenant or a promise. It says, while earth remains, seed time and heart... First, the promise is, I will never again curse the ground for man's sake, even though, even though, uh, there's wickedness in the heart of every person from their youth. 
nor will, again, will I destroy everything as I have done. He's not going to destroy everything in the same way as a flood. While the earth remains, so there will be an end, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer, and day and night shall not cease. So he's establishing that there's going to be a pattern to life of uh, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer, day and night. There's going to, that's going to remain uh, as long as the earth remains. He makes a covenant with mankind that uh, he won't repeat the flood again. <clears throat> now, there's a few principles that we need to understand as we kind of launch into this series. And first is from Romans chapter 1, verse 20. And that is that uh, I'm just going to pop through three verses to give you a little bit of an uh, framework to understand what I'm talking about. First Corinthians, oh, I'm sorry, Romans chapter 1.20 says, For since the creation of the world, God, or His, invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. The key verse, the key part of that is that God's invisible attributes are clearly seen. Alright? By creation. What Paul is explaining, what God is saying in His Word here, is that even the things of God that are invisible to our natural eyes, we can see by looking at His creation. Alright? Because anytime someone produces art, that art reflects something in the nature of the artist. When an artist produces a painting, <coughs> or a sculpture, or a, a, a some type of artwork, they do it because something in them is being expressed. Okay? All of creation is God's handiwork, His, His artistic expression. And so you can look at the creation, and from the creation, understand the things of God. In fact, the Bible says they are clearly seen. Alright? And so from the natural world, we can perceive invisible things. You can see invisible things. By looking at the visible, you can see the invisible. Does that make sense? Some people would say it was crazy. (laughs) You have to understand what we're looking for. We're looking for the invisible attributes of God. You know, an attribute, a character trait is invisible. You can't look at me and know if I'm good or evil. If I'm truthful or deceitful. If I'm... You don't know what's going on in my mind. Alright? But if you watch what I do and look at my lifestyle and look at my work, you can perceive what's on the inside. Jesus says you'll know the tree by, the tree by its fruit, what it produces. Well, God's creation is something that, is something that displays His attributes. And we can see that. First Corinthians 15.46 says, However, again, I'm, I'm pulling this principle out of a... First Corinthians 15 is quite a long uh, idea, but I'm just pulling out a principle. It says, However, the spiritual is not first, but the natural, and afterward the spiritual. And so, in the same way, God created the natural world, and by looking at the natural world, we can see invis- His invisible attributes or spiritual realities In the same way, the natural understanding comes first, and then we can gain spiritual understanding based on natural understanding. Does that make sense? All right. First Corinthians chapter two, verse thirteen. This is the third step in the understanding. 
These things we also speak, again Paul's writing, not in words which men's, uh, man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual things. The natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him or her, nor can he or she know them, because they are spiritually discerned. So Paul is saying <clears throat> two things. One, we see that the natural is first, and we can see through the natural world the invisible attributes of spiritual realities. But then there's another layer or level or depth of understanding where we see the spiritual realm and then we begin to compare spiritual things with spiritual things. And you can increase in spiritual understanding if you understand these principles. Okay, That we can compare spiritual things to spiritual things. And the natural man, someone who is unable to perceive spiritual reality by looking at the natural world, will not get any of this. Alright? Because they're still dead in their minds, severed from contact with God. Alright? If you've come into relationship with Christ, you're given His Holy Spirit. And your eyes are open to begin to see God's invisible attributes revealed. And once you begin to see the invisible through the visible, then your eyes can be opened up to see deeper realms of the Holy Spirit. Okay, deeper realms of spiritual things. And that can begin to influence and affect your life. Okay? But I'm, why am I talking this? I'm not talking about all this just to give you a, a, a theory on spiritual understanding. I want your lives to be healthier, whole, uh, productive, more reflective, of God's nature and His character. And we need to understand how this, app, how this occurs. And a primary way is by seeing God's invisible attributes and knowing how to discern uh, according to the Spirit. Okay, so seed time and harvest. We're going to take that idea of understanding the spiritual by looking at the natural and, and doing it in the context of the idea of seed time and harvest. Are you ready? Okay, so just get to it, Pastor. Alright, Genesis 8.21 The Lord said in His heart, I will never again curse the ground for man's sake, although the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth, nor will I again destroy every living thing as I have done. While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer, day and night shall not cease. This was a covenant that God made with Noah. Even in the Old, Old Testament, we see that this was not merely to be understood um, as the natural environment and agricultural seasons. It does apply to agricultural seasons, seed time and harvest, cold and heat. We're going to focus in on the seed time and harvest part of it. But <clears throat> there's this interesting verse in Hosea, which will be the text for a message in the weeks to come. Hosea chapter 10, 12, God says, uh, the prophet says in Hosea, Sow to yourself righteousness, reap in mercy. Break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord till He comes and rain righteousness on you. So here, this idea of seed time or sowing, planting seeds, and harvest is clearly taken out of the agricultural sense and applied to a moral or spiritual sense. That you're to sow, you're to plant seeds of righteousness, and if you do that, you'll reap mercy. How many have ever been to Waddell's? What is it? You know, or, or Myers 
garden center. You go in, it's about spring. We're start, who's thinking about spring? Everybody's thinking about spring in Michigan right now. <laughs> you, know, you go up to the clerk in the, in the nursery in, uh, store in the garden store and say, listen, I need, uh, I need some seeds for righteousness. Where, where are they at? What, what are they going to tell you? But, <laughs> hopefully. <laughs> so, boy, <clears throat> I really want to have some tomatoes this season and carrots and mercy. Uh, where are those seeds at? Well, here's the tomato seeds. Here's the carrot seeds of mercies. Where's the vine that you pick mercy off of? Well, God's Word says it's righteousness. So to yourself, righteousness, you'll reap mercy. So he's taking something that's natural and saying, listen, this applies on a spiritual level. Alright? And the seed time and harvest is a natural covenant, but there's a principle that we want to look at. Really, it's going to take the whole month of March to kind of get it into us of uh, 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 seed time and harvest and how that applies to our lives on a spiritual level. I was meditating on this, actually, several weeks ago, almost a month ago, and I was thinking uh, of harvest um, uh, and that, you know, in different parts of the country, you can, uh, the harvests are different. And uh, it, it, there's, there's a vast uh, difference between what you can harvest down south. In fact, earlier, this, just actually yesterday, <laughs> yesterday morning, we were in Florida. We were given the opportunity to take a quick vacation down to see my parents. And I was, they had a little sign up that says, due to the severe cold weather this winter, the tomato crop has been uh, devastated, so you won't get a tomato on your hamburger at Wendy's unless you ask for it. And I thought, all oh, those poor Floridians. Aren't we really sorry for the cold winter the Floridians had to suffer? Does your heart go out? They had to suffer through 60 degree weather. You know, that's just terrible, you know. <laughs> like, you don't know what cold is, baby. It was 60 degrees, and we were out in our shorts and, and swimming trunks and everybody else. My mom and my stepdad wouldn't even go out of the house without a winter coat on. Because it was 60. <laughs> you know, and they're growing, they're not harvesting tomatoes right now in Florida because it's been so cold. How many, like, we're, we're not even thinking about tomatoes yet. All right, we're still shoveling snow. And so, depending on the climate, there's a vast difference uh, of what you can harvest. All right? And I saw that the harvest is affected by, our, by seasons. And if a season is, the growing season is longer, you can grow different types of crops. Even in northern Michigan, they can't grow the same kind of crops that we grow down here. Or if they grow the same kind of crops, they're not going to have the same yield. They're not going to have the same quantity or quality. And so the amount of harvest, harvest, what we harvest in our lives, the quality and quantity of our harvest is dependent on our season, the seasons, all right? And seasons determine to a large degree the harvest. What can be grown and how much it can be grown is dependent on our seasons. And seasons are dependent on climate. <clears throat> climate is like the bigger picture. Uh, um, the climate of a region determines what you can plant. I mean, you wouldn't even think about planting tomato plants outside in January in Michigan. Would you? How many planted a tomato plant last month? Two months ago. You didn't even think about it. But in Florida, they were already planting them. Because of the climate is different. 
All right. Climate includes everything in the surrounding. It's our e- ecosystem, our environment. It includes I- the things like temperature and precipitation, sunlight, soil conditions, as well as weeds and insects, uh, invasive species, uh, uh, insects, uh, both positive and negative. All kinds of stuff is involved in the climate. All right. And, and the climate affects the seasons. The seasons determine the harvest. And then I was, I was literally driving down Mazel. <clears throat> like, wow, our harvest is determined by our seasons and seasons are determined by climate. And I'm like, well, what determines the climate? And I was like, well, nature. And I was like, wow. <laughs> nature. Nature. And we... You know, mankind is a steward of, of creation, and we will have to give an account for how we have taken care of the planet. All right? That's part of the package. And, uh, and so there, we are responsible for what we can do to help. But you know what? Nature's been going. It's a system that has been in place for thousands of years, long before we were aware of it. And frankly, we don't really know how it works to this day. We, we know some things, right? But most of it, we're just guessing. Would you agree? I mean, scientists have a lot of ideas, but they keep coming up with better ideas. (laughs) And they have to get new textbooks because all their ideas got changed. And so we have some idea, but there's this system, this is nature. This is called nature that uh, produces all of the events that uh, affect climate and seasons and harvest. Now, it's all connected. But as soon as I said that, uh, as soon as I saw that the word nature, what I thought is the nature of our nature, not nature like Mother Nature, but let's look at it from a spiritual perspective and realize that in Christ we are given a new nature. All right? And we have available a new nature. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 2 says, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, as His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. What has He given us? All things. things. Everything you need for life and for godliness has already been given. Alright? Through, this is how we get it, through the knowledge of Him who called us by glory and virtue. By which we have, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises. Alright? That through these, what are these referring to? The promises. Through these promises, you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Okay, so here's the deal. God, through His promises, which is His Word, okay, that He has given us, when we understand it and combine it with faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and receive it, these precious promises, when we believe them, see, a promise, a promise is like you have to trust And you have to believe the promise in order to get what is promised to you. Does that make sense? And if you believe God has promised you and that through those promises, 
Everything that pertains to life and godliness is yours, that you can be partaker of the divine nature that inside of you, through faith in God's promises, your nature is no longer fallen and broken and sinful and, and, and corrupt, but is new, it's redeemed, it's divine. Okay? You can then be transformed. Your nature is changed. Alright? You can have a new nature. Jesus demonstrated power over nature, didn't He? Remember when He was on the boat? And He took a nap? What happened? A storm came. And there were waves. And probably lightning. And wind. And waves. And all the disciples got really freaked out. They were like, we're going to die! We're going to die! Ah! And they were holding on to the boat. And somebody went back and woke Jesus up. And he got stood up. He's like, what's the problem? And he just rebuked the wind and the waves. And then, calm. And then the disciples were like, oh, they were afraid of him. What manner of man is this? Even the wind and waves obey him. And Jesus was like, would you just let me take a nap? He literally, he says, oh, ye of little faith. What is your problem? (laughs) Uh, he, He demonstrated... Now, we can, we can get lots of lessons out of that, that story, but there's a demonstration that Jesus operating under the influence of the Holy Spirit, uh, and, and, and Jesus as a man being obedient to His Father and influenced by the Holy Spirit demonstrated authority over nature, natural world, in the same way we have authority over, uh, and we have been given a new nature, through the promises of God. And so spiritually, we have a new nature. And so we want to look at the same idea of how nature affects climate and climate affects seasons and seasons determine our harvest in a spiritual context. Does this make, am I making any sense here at all? All right. You've been given a new nature. So it should influence the climate that you are operating in. Are you still living in your old nature? Are you still living in a nature that's influenced by the deception and self and the enemy, Satan, sin, and self? Or are you living in this new nature that's given to you not through the natural inheritance of your parents, but through the spiritual inheritance that we have through faith in Christ Jesus. We've been changed. But you have to begin to live that. And you have to believe the promise that we, that you, that I have a new nature within. And that nature is divine. It has all of the attributes of God. His goodness. His holiness. His purity. His righteousness. His faithfulness. His creativity. His life. Alright? You have to believe those promises and those promises affect uh, th- that new nature then will transform your climate, your spiritual climate. We'll talk a little bit about this. I'm going to finish it more uh, next week. But um, is your climate, <clears throat> your spiritual nature should have a direct influence on your spiritual climate. Just like in the natural world, nature has a direct influence on the climate. Right? In the spiritual world, your nature should have a direct influence on your spiritual climate. And climate includes everything in your surrounding. Jesus told a story. He said in Matthew 13, 
Jesus said to them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside, and birds came and devoured them. Some fell on stony places, where they did not have much earth. And they immediately sprang up, because they had no depth of earth. The seed fell, and poof! little plant popped up really quick, but there was no, no depth. All right? Uh, <coughs> well, it probably took a few days. <laughs> um, and they immediately sprang up because they had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, and they were scorched because they had no root, and they withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked them. Another fell, other seed fell among good ground and yielded a crop, some a hundred, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. How many have ears in the audience today? You had an ear? How many got two ears? Well, you should hear this twice then. Okay? <clears throat> Listen to me. It was the same seed. What determined how much harvest was the condition of the soil. The climate. The spiritual climate. And you are far more responsible for your spiritual climate than you realize. In fact, Jesus demonstrated He had authority over the natural climate. You certainly have authority over the spiritual climate in your life. But if you allow ungodly, demonic, deceptive influences into your garden, you're gonna, your seed is not going to produce a good fruit. Okay? Your climate is going to be have a poor growing season because there's too many clouds. There's too many bugs. Okay? And the soil's not fertile. Alright? Who? Sit. Uh, was it the tend the garden? Uh, the, uh, your heart, out of your heart flows the issues of life. What's the first part of that verse? Guard your heart with all diligence. For out of it flows the issues of heart, of life. Guard your heart. Protect your heart. Tend your heart. Okay? Because out of it flows everything that has to do with your, your life. And so if you allow ungodly, unhealthy, deceptive influences into your life, that's like having a bad climate. Because you're not operating out of godly nature, you're operating out of fleshly nature. And you're allowing unhealthy influences in. And no matter how good the seed is, no matter how good the sermon is, no matter how good the translation of your Bible is, it ain't going to bear fruit if there's all kinds of bad, ungodly, demonic infestations or dry, uh, unhealthy soil or soil that's not tended. So there's all of this idea of how we affect our spiritual climate and how our spiritual nature that God's given us through the promise of His Word affects our spiritual climate that will affect then our seasons, which I'm going to talk about next week. And the seasons affects our harvest. Alright? But I'm not going to be able to get to page 3 of the notes because I've already used up all of my time. And I stopped here at first service, so I have to stop here now. <laughs> or else the whole system will be messed up. And I won't know what to do. Alright? <clears throat> Main point. 
You're responsible for the spiritual climate by believing the promises in God's Word that through those promises you can be a partaker of His nature, that you can begin to see. My hope that at the end of this series is that you'll have some clues and have some instruction of how to see spiritual reality by looking at natural uh, uh, the natural reality and understand the spiritual reality and then understand how to apply that spiritual truths to your spiritual life so that you can be someone who walks in victory, someone who walks free, uh, someone who produces a healthy and a wholesome harvest. All right? Jesus said, uh, uh, by producing much fruit, it glorifies our Father. And so it, the best worship is a life that is, is fruitful, that produces godly fruit. All right, Adam's going to come up and share some announcements about softball. Give him a hand. <laughs>